Hello and welcome to another episode of The Long Finish. I am your host, Tug Coker, and I'm here as always with my wife and co-host, Catherine Weil Coker. How are you doing tonight, Catherine? I'm good. How are you? All things considered, I'm doing pretty well. I had to watch the kids tonight by myself, and they just did not behave. That's my lead in. Yeah. So I said, please hurry home. I thought they would have been long asleep. Do you need anything, babe? Coming home. Yeah, seriously. I'm like, hurry home. They're both still awake. And I made the mistake of giving them a sip of a... I don't drink iced tea ever. Yeah, that was... Why would you give them iced tea? You know. (laughs) Decided to give them a sip and I think that sent them to the moon. So they were both at home at like 9 o'clock or awake at 9 o'clock when you came home. And now we tape. Here we go. Taping episode 42 of the long finish thanks to everyone for continuing to listen to our show hope you had a chance to listen to last week's episode with special guest jordan salcedo really fun episode i thought came out nicely very interesting to hear you two talk about your experiences in the wine world i thought that was eye-opening for me and hopefully for a lot of people who listened oh it's so fun for me to s- as someone who's a friend, but you get to ask them the questions that you've always wanted to ask, and they really get to go in depth about it. It's so fun. So episode 42, really excited about this episode tonight as I'm nervous. Well. I'm you very nervous. Be nervous. We're doing something unique to the podcast, and I wanted to do it for a while, and I finally convinced Catherine to do it. We're going to do a live blind tasting during this episode just so you know if it doesn't go well though we'll scrap it Ha-ha. we are 100 percent not scrapping it this is a great <laughs> test for people out there that are looking to study for wine exams people who think they have it all figured out when it comes to wine and i'm excited to talk to you more about the process that you uh, how you go about doing blind tasting thanks to everyone for rating reviewing and subscribing to our show we'd love for those to keep coming in so if you have an opportunity to rate review and subscribe at itunes or wherever you get your podcast we really appreciate that but crazy week for us because our youngest son we talked about this on a previous podcast but he did have his hernia surgery and by all accounts a fairly common surgery for kids young kids but it's never fun to watch your child go under anesthesia Not the best time in the world to be going to hospitals. So a special shout out to nurses, doctors, custodians, physician's assistants, every single person that works in hospitals every day, not to mention during the pandemic. Huge shout out. Much respect. So thank you for taking care of our son. Thank you for taking care of us. And everyone out there should be happy to know that he's already on the mend. He's back to annoying me. I love this kid to death, but as Catherine says, the kid runs on a high frequency, which is code for drama queen. (laughs) He is, but he he is back to himself, which is just the most refreshing thing. You know, he was right immediately after it's pretty awful. But by the end of that day, you know, he'd calmed down and he was a very mellow, mellow, tender version of himself. And the next two days, kind of tender. And today he woke up and I was like, there he is. He's back to himself. He doesn't need Tylenol. He's just doing the same thing. So that was just so nice to see today. And on your note, every worker in the hospital, doctors, nurses, assistants, custodians, Every person was so helpful and kind to us. Um, We had a great experience at UCLA Westwood. It's funny because he's 20 months old and you 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 think of that. I guess the last time he was in the hospital was when he was born. But it had some parallels to that because they told us 
the doctors did that they would wake up the the, the kids post surgery wake up feeling very grumpy and that was true oh man yeah wailing and just inconsolable so hard finally they move you from the post-surgery room to like a recovery room and then the doctor comes in and says well you know is he himself now and you're like himself no i mean he's just bawling but you know we look at each other we're like well this is a very bad version of himself i don't know what that means yeah first at first he was uh, inconsolable and now he was not himself and then he was inconsolable that we recognized yeah (laughs) there you go and he was hysterical and it was like oh yeah this is just a really bad nighttime but to the nurse's credit they supplied us with some graham crackers we really? mowed them down. We yeah. destroyed the room with some crumbs. So apologies to to that part of the hospital wing. But yeah, the fear is for us that any you know any time anyone goes under, but let alone a twenty month old, is there's room for apprehension. But as the doctor said, it's fairly common surgery. So he's already on the mend and looking forward to in two weeks getting him back in some water. No baths, no beaches, no pools. But that'll be a fun treat in two weeks. Waves. Beach. It's one of his Waves, 12 words. Beach. Waves. Beach. He's a California kid. He's not from Colorado like you or Virginia. It's true. I don't think like mountain was in my first couple words. Well, I wasn't born in Colorado in any sense, but. Three-pointer was one of my first words. <laughs> Home run. Um, so let's get into it, shall we? Let's do it. So we're going to do a blind tasting here on the air, and let's go ahead and first announce the protocols with which we took to make sure that you didn't know about the wine. Okay, so a lot of sommeliers practice blind tasting because they learn it as part of either the Court of Sommeliers or the WSET program as a way to analyze and understand wine without bias. You're not looking at the cult status of a wine. You're not looking at the ratings. You're not looking at the label. You're not partial to a grape variety or farming technique or anything. You're just analyzing a wine truly for what's in the glass. And it's a great way of understanding how to taste. And it's a great way of really becoming a better taster. And so for these tests and for learning within both of those guidelines, the Court of Sommeliers and the WSET, there are wine varieties and regions that are included. And they're all about typicity. They're grape varieties that are common and they're grape varieties that showcase certain characteristics all the time. So for example, they're not going to choose something super esoteric from a region that's so remote that no one would know it, right? They're going to choose Pinot Noir from classic regions. They're going to choose Tempranillo from Spain. They're going to choose Sangiovese from Tuscany. So regions and grape varieties that are very classic. You mentioned the word typicity. Can you just help expound? Is it typical? So is this Sangiovese, the region that we first think of for Sangiovese is Tuscany, and there is Sangiovese in other regions in Italy, but the most classic representations are from Tuscany, from Chianti, Chianti Classico, from Rosa de Montalcino, Brunella de Montalcino. Those are like the most classic regions for Sangiovese. Typicity is, does this wine taste like other wines from this region made in the same method? Is it typical? Is this wine typical 
for this region. Now, that's a range, right? You know, there's not every wine is the same, but we're not looking for something completely outside the box here. And that's not to say that outside the box is bad in any sense, but blind tasting is more about in in this like, you know, testing sense is more about typicity, understanding what that is. Basically and, it rewards deductive reasoning. Like if you hit exactly. all the points, you should be able to figure out what the wine is. Exactly. And that's not to say that wines outside the box and wines that aren't typical aren't good because there are fabulous wines that are. But we come to appreciate those wines and understand how they're unusual and special because we understand what typicity is. So if I taste something like a really unique Sangiovese, I'm going to know it's super unique because I've tasted so many typical Chianti Classicos. Do you know what I'm saying? I do. So let's get into the rules of the game for tonight. Catherine does not know what the wine is. I do. And who chose the wine? for tonight so i asked mariana caldwell she is the sommelier at cassia to choose a, a red wine for us tonight i want her to choose a classic variety that showed typicity from its region a variety a region that would be acceptable on a quartermasters or a wset exam so something that's really classic and not esoteric and something that was under a hundred dollars. It's very important. It is important because yeah. I didn't want her to invoice me for some three hundred dollar <laughs> bottle of wine. Yeah. To make a sale. We pay for our wines <laughs> at our own establishments. So um thank you, Mariana, for doing that. I hope. Or Well, yeah, you might yell at her in a second, but here's how it's gonna go down. I'm gonna pass the mic to you. You'll walk us through how you do your deductive tasting. You'll let us know what you think the wine is ultimately. I will then show you the wine. We'll talk about why you or why you got it right or why you didn't. And then we'll take a pause and allow you to find a little information if, if you're not familiar with the wine. And then um, we'll go through the regular process of the podcast, okay? Sounds good. Now, of course, let me say, anytime you do a blind tasting, there's some nerves, right? Because it's sort of like this test and you want to get it right. But in a sense, it's the same tasting that we do every single week on this podcast. It's just that I already know what the wine is, but it's the same thing. It's about looking at it. It's about putting your nose in it. It's about tasting it. And it's about drawing some conclusions. I'm saying this to ease my nerves. Of course you are. But what's fun is that if others at home try to blind taste wines, you've basically been doing that for the last 10 or 12 episodes when we've been doing these tastings. All those skills we've been talking about will help you to help improve your deductive tasting. So I might ask some questions about why you're thinking like this direction or why why you thought that or why you thought this, but otherwise I'll stay out of the way as you try to solve the riddle. Good luck. Thank you. <laughs> oh, dear. Good luck. All right. Well, first things first, this is a red wine. So there we go. Check that box. I mean, like 40% of wines are gone now, right? <laughs> we go it is really dark in color completely opaque i cannot see my ring through it it's hard to tell exactly what color this is because it is evening here but it looks like a deep deep ruby leading out to a magenta rim and i'm swirling the glass now now the legs are coming down kind of slowly not super fat. Looks like it has light to medium alcohol, I'm going to guess. All right, time for the nose. Wow. Now, sometimes it's at this moment. When I first put my nose in it, 
there's this time of an impression. It makes a, its first impression on me. And sometimes I want to just jump to the conclusion and guess what it is because, oh, it's my gut. It's right. Something's there. That's always where I go wrong or anybody. Not always, but a lot of times where you go wrong, where you just jump to something. That's why it's so important to do the tasting really slowly and do all the parts every time so you don't just set your mind and lock it in once you put your nose in there. It has to be this. So first, I'm going to talk about fruit. Tons of black cherry, black plum, maybe some raspberry, red cherry, red and black fruit. And the quality of that fruit is fresh. It's juicy, fresh, just ripe fruit. That's an important thing to note. It's not stewy. It's not baked. It's not cooked. It's just ripe. Now I'm going to get into the other stuff, which is the part I'm excited about because that was my first impression. I got this green pepper. get this damp, wet earth, wet leaves. It's kind of fall feeling, like you're in fall, like you're walking through a forest in the fall. Iron or pencil shavings, maybe, but there's an intense mineral note. I also get some floral notes, like maybe hibiscus. Mm, Back to the fruits, I'd say pomegranate and cranberry as well. The fruit is really pleasant in this wine, but it's that damp forest floor and that spicy pepper that's really kind of its leading characteristic. I think that's an important thing too. Even though you're going through a deductive tasting and going through, oh, I'm thinking about what fruit I'm noticing and the quality of that fruit. I'm thinking about earthy elements or mineral elements. I'm thinking about floral notes. And then, oh, wood. We haven't talked about the presence of oak. I'm not getting any baking spices or toasty notes that make me think this was aged in any kind of new wood. I would guess probably no wood at all, and if any, very neutral. Mm, Spicy red pepper. All right, I'm ready to taste it. It's a dry wine. It's light to medium body. The acid is high, and it has light to medium tannin, maybe a medium minus kind of tannin. It's there, It coats your tongue pleasantly, but it's not crazy. Acid is definitely there. Now I'm going to think of all that stuff I talked about on the nose. I'm kind of just getting like black plum and black cherry. But when I said they were juicy and just ripe on the nose, now on the palate, they're more underripe. They're like almost a little crunchy, I like to say, which is kind of like my psalm term for not quite ripe fruit. They're kind of tart in a sense and taut. I don't taste that forest floor. I don't taste that earthiness that I got on the nose. Maybe a little of the pepper, but not much. It's more about the tart, crunchy fruit. It doesn't have a long finish, and this isn't a wine that coats your tongue all the way. It really stays in the front part of your palate. I'm not sure that has anything to do with the grape variety of the region, but this particular wine just stays in that front part of your palate. All right. Shall I begin to draw my initial conclusion here? Is that how the process works when you're in the testing? I'm I'm, uh, three-fifths of the way through it. So you're going to, I would do sight, I would do the nose, I would do the palate, then I would do initial conclusions, and then I would do final conclusions. Final answer. Yeah. 
So right, initial conclusions. Let's hear it. Initial conclusions. This could be possible grape varieties. Could be Pinot Noir, Gamay, Cabernet Franc, Tempranillo. I'm just going to throw all those in there. And what leads you to those possibilities? Well, I won't even say what leads me to those yet, but I will say what leads me to the final conclusion once I choose it. Gotcha. So those are kind of where I'm circling. And that's only, well, I'll say what my reason is right now. It's That's based on structure. That's based on the structure of actually tasting the wine. And then I think this is from a cool climate in the old world. I believe that because all those fresh, fresh notes that I got on the nose don't indicate to me a really warm climate where the fruit got really ripe, where it got high alcohol and lots of sugar. It got just ripe enough to get those juicy ripe fruits. But on the palate, it was a little more underripe. So it tells me it was from somewhere cooler, not super hot. And that makes me think old world. That's a rule we've talked about a few times on the podcast. More ripe on the nose, less ripe fruit on the palate indicates... Often can indicate old, old world, world or a cooler climate. climate. Yeah. And I will also say... What I said before, but this part should have been in the initial conclusions, is that this is a young wine. And I get that because of the bright primary notes, the very like fresh fruit. There's not a lot of complexity in the nose or in the palate. It's not a bouquet yet. They're just fresh, simple aromas. So I would guess the vintage is probably one to three years old for this wine. Now... For the final conclusion. This is when the lights come down. This is who wants to be a millionaire. Right here. Right now. Who are you? Eminem comes on. Whatever that song is. He's eating mom's spaghetti. Catherine, what is your final conclusion? Well, I believe this is Cabernet Franc from the Loire Valley of France. Vintage 2017. And if I have to get really nutty and say the village, this specific area in the Loire, I'm going to say this is closest to Chinon, which is very classic. And it's a classic producer. And this is a very young, young Cabernet Franc. Great to be at this perfect temperature it is right now, which is slightly chilled. You want to guess the vineyard? You mean the producer? No, just the actual vineyard from where the grapes were sourced. No, I, I definitely and can't. The, the row and column of. Oh the, man, the I grapes. can't. I couldn't possibly <laughs> do that. And also because here's and here's why because it is a young wine. I believe this is probably from a lot of yes. different vineyards. This is not like not an, a single vineyard. This is not a single vineyard wine. No way. All right, I'm gonna walk over and get the bottle, and let you read the label. To our listeners. And read it and weep. All right, Catherine, you ready? I'm ready, baby. All right, go ahead and tell us what the wine is on three, two, one. Ooh! Yeah, baby. Yeah, baby, yeah, baby. <laughs> this is Famille Vaillant Cabernet Breton Cabernet Franc. It's technically Vin de France. 2018. Darn it! I guess, what did I guess, 17? 17. Shoot. It is organic. And where is this from in the Loire? We have got to find out. I don't know, but we're going to find out and we're going to let you know. Let it be known that the grape variety 
was correct. The location was correct. And I was one year off on the vintage. And so what does that mean for your testing? What, what would that review be for your... Well, the good news is in the initial conclusion, I said one to three years old, which this is. And then I guess 2017. So I'd still get a point because I included that. I would get a point docked in the final conclusion for the vintage, but I would get the points for the initial conclusion because I included that. Does that make sense? It does. That's why you always do the initial conclusion and you include all those other grape varieties. Even if you don't think they're, they actually are, you should go with stuff that still would fit structurally, still sort of makes sense. Because if you get it totally wrong, at least you've, you know, have yourself a cushion up there. Show your work. Show your work. Yeah. First, I don't want to say this. You did not say one thing that I say almost every time we open a bottle of wine as a joke and an homage to the Guild, which is, it's our inside joke, which is the wine is clean, the, the wine, wine is, is sound. sound. And I should have said that. You should have said that. That's got, part of what I'm supposed you, to say. You would have gotten docked a point. Oh my God. The wine, it clean, the wine is sound, which means, which is what? Well, that it's not flawed. The not wine corked. is The wine isn't corked. It isn't cooked. The wine's correct. The so, wine's not flawed. So I would have definitely got docked some points there. Yeah. So when you're out there Ooh, don't having a bottle that. of wine with your partner, your roommate, whatever, open the bottle and say, wine is clean, wine is sound. Yeah, we do always say that. So take us through. But this wine is clean and sound. It is. And take us through how you deduce that it was Cabernet Franc. I was actually, to be honest, I was a little disappointed with the wine choice. She picked a great wine and a, a perfectly honorable wine to try tonight. I just knew that Cab Franc is sort of in your wheelhouse. So I felt like there might be another blind tasting down the road that would test you a little bit more because I feel like this is in your zone. Loire Cab Franc feels like in your zone. Well, to yeah, me. it's in my zone. This is stuff that I would drink all the time. So in my zone. Yeah. Pick like so. So in, in your head, you were pretty excited when you, because you know you know not to draw jump to conclusions. But when you smelled it, you're like, I well, think I know what this well, is. Well, yeah, that's what I said. <laughs> I was like, I'm not gonna guess it right now because I get myself into trouble when right. I do that. Right. But I know what it is. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you the grape variety that's really certain varieties and regions are tough, or I get confused with, and certain are just like dead on. I know. This is dead on, I know. But sometimes Chianti really can throw me for a loop. I don't know why. Yeah. I don't drink enough Chianti Classico or it's just that it can be so different depending on how much oak there is. But Cabernet Franc and tell from us, Loire. I, and I know that you love Loire Valley. and I know that you love Cab Franc. But what were the, the main bullet points that led you to thinking this is Cab Franc? Well, it's that peppery earthiness and that forest floor and those wet leaves that sense of that just fall and that cranberry and plum and that dark dark color goes with that now also we saw when we swirled the glass okay already i know this is this is a super dark color okay so immediately when i'm looking at it i know this is not pinot noir this is not also not Nebbiolo. I know it's not a thin skin grape. Okay, so those are out just by looking at it. Swirling the glass. Oh, doesn't have high alcohol. Okay, it's probably not Cabernet Sauvignon. I don't think this is Syrah either. Because that could be another one with like that spicy note to it, that pepperiness. But based on the alcohol. And then after tasting it and seeing the structure, it did not have the tannin to be Syrah. There you go. No, that's it. That's it. 
how you deduce that it's yeah i mean it's every single part of the tasting is essential for that you know and it's it's basically what is it not that's what you're doing in the tasting prove to me that this is not tempranillo prove to me that this is why is this not pinot noir why is this not sangiovese that's what your brain has to be doing not what is this what is it not that's that's interesting see that's a nugget i have not heard from you in the years that we've been together that to me is a very interesting way to break down and figure out. it's like it's like a game of guess who right it's well like, that that's how you get it right because if you go with what you think it is you're just going to go off your impressions it's very interesting and I, I will say i will say that this wine is perfect for fall but because of the youth of the wine, like it's very drinkable. Like it's a very drinkable, quaffable wine. And so it's really at the it. perfect temperature. It's yep. just a little bit cool. Like you could put it in the fridge too. It's delicious. She was thinking, not only am I going to pick something classic varietal for Catherine from this list, but I'm going to pick something she wants to drink tonight. That's smart. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, so we've had a chance to learn a little bit more about the wine. Catherine, before you... Tell us about this wine and the winemakers. After reading more about it, what'd you get right? What'd you get wrong? I mean, this whole episode is a flex for you now that you look good on your first blind taste here on that long finish. But what little parts of your deduction did you get right? What did you have a slight miss on, etc.? Well, I guess Chinon, but this is actually from the area around Anjou, which is a little bit east of Chinon. And I guessed stainless steel or neutral oak. And this is fermented in neutral oak and aged in neutral oak, which does make sense now that the wine's been open a little bit longer and the tannins are kind of smoothing out, that the oak probably helps to do that more than just Cabernet Franc and stainless. Other thoughts on things you got right or led astray? I'm sure that if someone was grading me, I would miss points for the stuff that you had mentioned before. But also, I'm sure there are notes about specific Cabernet Franc things like white pepper or, you know, something that I didn't say. Um, And what can we learn about the winemaker and the wine tonight? Can you remind everyone what we're drinking? Yes. So we are drinking Famille Vaillant. Cabernet Breton, the Cabernet Franc, it's Vin de France 2018, and it is from the region of Anjou, it's Le Grand Vigne. This is an estate that has been around a long time. From what I've just read, it was established by the Vaillant family in 1626, 20 generations of grape growers and winemakers. Wow. And the vines are 60 years old. They are organic. They're biodynamic. They're huge natural wine people. So this this native yeast fermentation, no fining, no filtering, and no added sulfur. So cool. Super small family, multi-generational winemaking and biodynamic. I really think this wine's awesome. Thanks, Mariana. It's a great choice. Great summertime Cab Franc. Absolutely. We had a Cab Franc, I, th- I want to say very early on in the Long Finish run, in the first 10 episodes, I think. But let's go ahead and revisit some pairings for Cab Franc. Well, I think for summer, because we are in the heat of the summer, things off the grill would be great. I think there is this vegetal note to Cab Franc, and so it goes great with any kind of grilled veg. I think it would be awesome with grilled peppers, grilled asparagus, just grilled veg in general would be awesome. But 
it also can hold up to some meat. It does have this, you know, intense earthiness. So some kind of like gamey meats would be great. Even if you were making like rabbit or something, this would probably be this would be great. But I like to stick with the grilled vegetables and it can also be great with spicy foods too because it doesn't have that high tannin, which is why Mariana pairs it on the menu with cassia and has it with, you know, even the steak on their menu that has a lot of spice to it. This is great because it has spice to it and earthiness, but not that tannin. So if people are out there looking to buy Cab Franc, how do you recommend they go to their local wine store and look to pick, I don't know, fun Cab Franc for summer or into early fall? Well, the good news about this is it is a really classic variety. And Cabernet Franc from the Loire Valley should not be hard to find. That's kind of a basic for a wine store. So that's it. That's all you got to do. And if there's anyone out there that's listening to the show that's looking to get into wine, is already in wine, is thinking about doing a guild test in the future, please hit us up at The Long Finish on Instagram or TLF Pod on Twitter. We'll be happy to answer any questions. It is a really fun activity. If you're not studying for a test, if it's not timed, if you're not in a tasting group with people that completely intimidate you, this can be so fun and something for you to do on a date night or with a friend or a roommate or and you get to be a way better wine taster in general. Have fun and enjoy some Cab Franc. So now we come to the last portion of the evening, which is what has been inspiring us this week. I will go first. Can't say this has necessarily been inspiring me this week, but I found out that, or the world found out, that Regis Philbin passed away. And Regis has just been a fixture in our lives, it feels like. For those of us who are in the 30s and 40s, feels like Regis has been on our TV pretty much our entire life. And I will say this, I have some entertainment heroes of which I consider David Letterman to be one. And if you roll with David Letterman, you roll with Regis Philbin. Letterman loved Regis, and subsequently, so did I. One of my memories is the summers when school was out, 9 a.m., Channel 7 in Virginia. Regis and Kathy Lee would have their show. My mom would have it on every day, and my sisters and I would watch it with her. I, like, I knew who Gelman was, the producer. I mean, it's sort of you know, I work in entertainment now, and part of my introduction to that it was through live with Regis and Kathy Lee. So I followed his journey as he went on to appearances on Letterman, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, Lover of Notre Dame, which you can relate to, Catherine. So just an incredible life lived. He'd be amazing on a podcast if he came out now because he's just so open. He was able to be himself on camera or whatever version of himself he wanted to show on camera. And to me, that's very inspiring. He also came off, as most people would uh, say, is very likable and, and people enjoyed his presence. So huge shout out to Regis Philbin. Never thought I would say that on the Long Finish podcast, but here we are. So that's my inspiration for the week. Catherine, what do you have? Well, I have a lot of respect for Regis, and I appreciate you respecting a Notre Dame alum. It's true. So this week, my inspiration is our doctor that worked with Gwen, Dr. Shant Shukherd Mian. I hope I pronounced that right, but I have been calling him Dr. Shant, and Quinn and I went to see this doctor about a month ago at the medical center at UCLA. And I've never been one to evaluate a doctor just based on bedside manner. But this doctor just really took care of us and was so gracious in that first visit that I even sat through one of those phone surveys from UCLA to rate the, my visit with him because it was so good and I felt like we were in such good hands. That's high praise. And you know what? He did 
a great job. So thank you, Dr. Shant. I will be recommending all of my friends to you. And you made a difficult moment feel easier. And I understand now why people probably love their doctors. That's true. Thank you for being amazing. And for our purposes, keeping our son alive and healthy. All right, that's it. Episode 42 of The Long Finish is in the books. Thank you to everyone for continuing to listen to our show. Thanks to everyone who's rated, reviewed, and subscribed to our show. If you haven't yet, please take an opportunity to do so. It would mean the world to us. Got a lot of fun episodes coming up the rest of the summer, so uh, hopefully you'll stay tuned. Catherine, where can they find you and The Long Finish on social media? You can find me at Catherine Wild Coker on Instagram and Facebook, and you can find The Long Finish at The Long Finish on Instagram and The Long Finish on Facebook. You can find The Long finish on twitter at tlf pod you can find me on twitter and instagram at tug coker everyone go out there have a great week practice social distancing wear a mask stay safe and healthy and happy drinking ciao